Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Call Her Holy. I'm Laura Eldridge. And I'm Nicoletta Bradley. And we're coming at you with part two of post-grad life, young 20s. All the things. All the advice, all the mistakes we made that you should probably not make. Dude, Laura, tell me what you were like in college. What was I like in college? I was the good girl of the bad crowd and the bad girl of the good crowd. Ooh, okay. I was like, the, the really Christian girls... I say really Christian. Okay. Don't at me for theology. <laughs> like the, the, in my head, then the goody, goody girls, like they still liked me, but they thought I was a little bit scandalous. If that makes sense. They're praying for me for sure. Oh, amazing. And, <laughs> and then the bad crowd, it was like, Oh, that's the good girl. Like she doesn't, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So she's a little bit better than all of us. So she's kind of the good girl. Ooh, so candy. that's what I was like. I also did music. So I was, playing country music and touring and doing all that stuff. So it was really fun. So people would come to my concerts and yeah, that was a blast. But I was definitely like living it up in college, trying to chase Jesus, but also doing that half-heartedly, which looking back, I wish I would have done it differently. Gosh, I wish I could sing. <laughs> Try, give us your best line. Absolutely not. I had vocal <laughs> surgery. Don't you forget it. <laughs> what were you like in college? Gosh, I'm not going to lie. So high school, I was like party girl. Like party. I mean, y'all listen to my story. Big party girl. College was actually, I would say, the more difficult years of my life because that's when I landed in eating disorder counseling. Yeah. And so I was in a good sorority and I just battled. Like I was just in counseling, trying to not party, but also partying. Like one foot in, one foot out, but struggling with depression. It was kind of a weird mix. I feel like definitely the end of college was more fun. Super involved in my church. People probably didn't know that I was struggling, to be honest, because, you know, people pleaser over here was putting on that pretty little face. But college was hard for me, for sure. Just smiling. Hey, y'all. You want to go do a workout class? Hey, y'all. How we doing? <laughs> I'm not struggling. except I just cried in my bedroom for like hours, but we're fine. You were a TCU girl. When did you graduate? Gosh, 2015. I'm ancient. No, I graduated from Baylor in 2012. Okay. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like 40, guys. <laughs> Come on. I'm 31. Anyways, Anyways. That's not even what we're talking about today. We are talking about all the advice that we wish we would have gotten when we were early 20s. Yeah. So we ended our last episode on just kind of talking about how to make a budget. And we kind of want to dive into our next point. And we just had so much good stuff, honestly. That's why we broke it up. <laughs> She's like patting her back. We have so much good yeah, stuff. Yeah, we made so many mistakes honestly, so we can help you. <laughs> okay, Proverbs thirteen twenty. Uh, we should have added this to the list because it kind of became a life verse for me. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Dang, that's good. Yeah. And, and it kind of goes with our point. Our first point here is your friends are going to change. And that's okay. It, it might even be a good thing. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I know for um, one of my best friends, she struggled with this a lot post-grad because she had the best group of friends in college. Like they were a tribe, yeah. went on every trip together, all these different things. But now it's what, gosh, seven years later, I think she had this expectation that they were going to be besties forever. They were going to raise their kids together and that the rest of their life was set in stone with this group. And it's been a battle of having to honestly release those friendships, knowing that they are scattered across the country. And not yeah. that you can't stay in touch, but I think it's also learning, like, it's okay if you move. It's okay if your friends change. And good advice I got during that yeah. season was, just because you were best friends there or then doesn't mean that you can't have new best friends here. 
Yeah. Or maybe, maybe we should say the nature of your relationship might yeah, change. That's good. Because long distance best friends, you can still be best friends, but at some point you do need to make friends with people who are here in your city. Yeah. Invest in the people that are around you and it's okay to, once again, stay friends with them. Totally. But you need to create community where you're at. Yeah. That's really good. Remember that you are the sum of the five people around you that you spend the most time with. Oh, that's so good. This is the this is like Googleable. It's well known. Maybe you're the first maybe it's your first time hearing it, but you will become like the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. That's so, so true. <laughs> like look around and if those aren't the people you want to be like, I- I've done this before. Looked at a friend and said, Hey, you are really negative. I hate to say this. I should have said it way earlier. You're really negative and you make me worse when I'm around. Like I'm worse from hanging out with you. And I am so sorry for, again, not bringing this up earlier. And I just need to tell you the truth now. I probably didn't do it perfectly, but... Did she change? No, that ended it ended poorly, but I was also 20 and trying to figure out... Or 21, I don't know. You know? Fair enough. That's so true because I know for me, at least in high school... I cussed like a sailor, like sailor, sailor, a sailor, sailor. Gosh dang it! I cannot a, talk a sometimes. Sailor. Yeah, like y'all, my mouth was bad. You don't know why? Why? Because my best friend dropped the f bomb every other word. Yeah, and I picked it up. Yeah, and I love that reminder of that. You really are the sum of your closest five friends. So look yeah. around. Who are your people? Who are you talking to on the phone? How are you talking on the phone? How yeah. are you spending your weekends? Because if your girlfriends are hitting the bar out every weekend, you're going to hit the bar with them every weekend. And if your best friends, none of them submit to the Bible, how are they going to counsel you biblically? Gosh, that's I, so. I think good. we think it's no big deal to be counseled from people's opinions. But I remember also a turning point in my life when things really started to change for the better was when I stopped getting relationship advice from my coworkers. I love my coworkers. They were so fun when I was in the business world, but they were party girls and they they don't know how to counsel me about this guy that I'm trying to date. They're That's you know, so true. They don't know how to help me submit to God's word. So That's a good reminder, man. Next point is learn to care more about what God thinks than what others think. Yeah. Gosh, honestly, that's what I'm struggling with right now. <laughs> it's I a like, lifelong battle. It's a lifelong battle to let go of the approval of man and seek. Yeah. Or honestly, not even seek, but rest in what the Lord says about you. I think this can play into decision making. We can make big decisions based on what our parents that's want good. us to do or think. We can make big decisions based on what we think is going to make everyone else happy. We can make little decisions, literally just to gain people's approval. So it's like you might not want to be the girl who's going out into the bars and hooking up and doing whatever else. But if that's what all your friends are doing and you don't want to be the girl who says no or the Debbie Downer, you're going to do it too. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're afraid to hurt people's feelings. That's true. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well... I should just go on a date with him. He asked me out. I feel bad. But you have a choice in that. But you're terrified of what that person is going to think of you. Okay. I used to always say yes to first dates to kind of honor people's courage. I used to, or guys' courage, yeah. not people's. <laughs> I would be like, dude, way to go for asking me out. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I am 0% interested. And then it gets worse saying no by the second date. So... That's a hot take because there's I that. feel like there's so many different people have different opinions on that. I'm pretty savage and I'll say no. 
but I also don't give attention to someone that I'm not slightly or remotely interested in. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't think I've ever been, I don't think I've actually, no, I've turned down one date. Uh, I was such a flirt. I was such oh, a, no. that's another thing I would take back, honestly. I loved the attention. I lived for it. This is kind of under this point. Yeah. But like I needed people's attention. And I remember doing a six month dating fast. Like I didn't date for six months and I was really intentional during that season to not try to get attention from guys or not find my worth there and really kind of run from it. I remember being at our church one day at our young adults ministry and there's this like really hot guy coming towards me. I guess he kind of liked me, whatever. And then I was walking towards him in this path and like a movie, people literally watch this. I looked at him, did this hard 90 degree angle turn and darted why the other direction because i was like i can't right now because i'm gonna want to just be like oh because you're not yep i was just like in this season where i I realized hey i need to figure out how to have my approval from god and not from guys dang that's so true and i think i think this is probably one of the hardest things and really is a lifelong lesson but just that reminder of like asking yourself why are you doing the things that you're doing? So take a step back. Why am I going to the bar? Well, if I don't go to the bar, my friends will be mad at me. Okay, you're clearly caring more about what they think than what the Lord thinks. Okay, or I, why would I go to this event that I really don't want to go to? And I've been having to wrestle with this in my own life is that I have to check my motives. Like, do I need a night in where I just need to rest or am I going to something because I feel like people are going to be disappointed in me if I don't show up. Mm. And I think that's even, gosh, that can go along with so many different things that can go along with what we're wearing or what, how we work out because we're just caring so much about what other people think of us and it is exhausting us. And then we get into relationships where you just kind of become what you think they want you to be. Oh my gosh, this follows you through the rest of life. So deal with it now. Yeah. Start caring more about what God thinks about you than what other people think about you. Yeah. That's how you're going to start making wise decisions. You got to open your Bible for that. <laughs> yeah. Is it Ephesians 2 that says you're a masterpiece? Yeah. Ephesians okay. 2.10. In Ephesians 2.10, it just talks about how God says that you are his masterpiece. And I love that scripture because it reminds me of like, man, when I believe that I am God's masterpiece, that he created me perfectly and intentionally it removes this power and pressure to honestly try to please everyone around me. That's really good. That is so good. All right, next point. You get to consider your parents' advice, but you are an adult now. <laughs> Take hey, it or leave it. Come make on. It, make your own decisions. And you can pave your own path. Pave your own path. Okay, this is kind of like funny, but also not. And and it's different if you are still living under your parents' roof and they've asked you to be respectful, like, hey, while you're living here, X, Y, and Z, as long as it's not sin, do your best to honor your parents there. Yeah. But I was calling my mom every day. Oh, <laughs> and, and I still, for sure. I still got to do, but... Um, I think we all do. <laughs> girls, yeah, girls and our, and our mamas. But you also, especially if your parents aren't believers, you just, yeah, I don't know, you speak to it. I think, to be honest, you... Parents love to play a role in what's next. You know what I mean? They've babied you. They've paid for, they've taken care of you. They've paid for your college. And now you're kind of sitting here going, what do I do with my life? And you have to respect them because you're they're your parents. But if they're saying, hey, you need to stay in a job for a year, you have a choice. If they're saying, hey, you need to live in this apartment, 
you now have a choice if you're the one paying for that apartment. It's just so easy because we've taken our parents' advice now, what, for 22 years of our life, and now we're kind of on our own. And if you are making your own paycheck, you are paving your own path, you get to decide while respecting them in the process. But I just know a lot of young girls were like, man, I know that my mom wants me to live in this apartment in this part of town and she wants me to drive this kind of car because it's safer than the car that I can actually afford. And she thinks that I should work at this firm compared to this firm because it pays more and it looked better on a resume. But you need to invite the Lord into those conversations and not just your parents' voice into those conversations. Gotcha. So it's really more about making wise decisions and kind of taking things with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, because I, some parents are really wise. Some For parents, sure. it's like, dude, I want I want to learn from your parents. Or my mom, you know, said things that I'm like, wow, that's really, really helpful. Yeah. But you're saying like. Just be wise in the advice you take from them. For example, I know a ton of moms want their daughters to be dating and they want their daughters to be married. Uh, and so they could say like, well, just give him another chance. He seems like a nice guy when he came over for dinner. And it's like, but there's a, there's wisdom and discernment in that. Of like, even if my parents love him, but he's not treating me as best or as I deserve, I now have to make that decision and that choice to break off the relationship, even if it means that my mom might not be a grandma tomorrow. That's really good. Being okay with disappointing people. Yeah. Wow. Here's what my mom said after college. You ready for it? Oh my gosh, I'm so sick. Uh, congratulations on your graduation. Um, I sent the car insurance. I, I got the car insurance transferred to your name. <laughs> I'm like, wait. Oh, yeah. My parents cut me off. <laughs> me They're too. like, we will pay for everything. And then the second you graduate, you're dead. Totally. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. help me. I'm poor. I'm totally. sorry. Help me. I'm poor. Help me. I'm poor. <laughs> what am I supposed to eat? Yeah, she was like, you'll totally. figure it out. Yeah, totally. No, it was good, though. It forced me to grow figure up. It out. Yeah. But I think that's a good point. Obviously, a lot of our parents or hopefully your parents do have wise counsel. They are older. They do have wisdom. So listen to them in certain ways. But it's also an opportunity for you to not declare your independence, but to take a step forward of like, okay, what is best for me? Yeah. And I think moms and daughters collectively need to think about codependency. That's so true. I don't mean that to shame anyone. I'm about to have a daughter and I'm sure I'm about to step into all these things that I'm like, whoa, that's actually really hard. It's hard to let go of control or this is a human that I care more about than anything else in life except for my husband, you know? And it's probably really hard, but I think there can be this like unhealthy relationship there. Yeah, that's good. And then sometimes healthy. That's good. Next point is don't conform to the version of Christianity you see around you. Okay, I love this. And if it doesn't make sense, here's what we're saying. A lot of people will look around and you never get this big vision for following God because all the people around you are getting wasted, hooking up, getting high, and reading their Bible every once in a while. And that's like the good guy. Yes. You know? I see you. And so you kind of start conforming to the version of Christianity that you see around you. If everyone else around you is dressing for attention, it's fine if you do. Instead of conforming to the Bible's version of Christianity and asking, what does God require of me? What is best for me according to scripture? And it takes one person having a big vision of really not just a big vision, but the Bible's vision of what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ to set an entire city on fire. And that's what's happening in Dallas, Texas right now. Yeah. 
like somebody said, there's a, there's like a better way to do church. Like we should be confessing sin. (laughs) This is what the Bible calls us to. And half-hearted Christianity is so lame. It's just so lame. But when you go all in with Jesus, I know that was a huge part of my story. I started finding freedom from anxiety. I started finding peace like I never had. I started finding security and identity and so much more fun in ways that I never thought that I would because Hmm. I just went all in with God and got rid of guilt and shame and dealt with some of those things. So I think the question though is how do you go all in with God? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think one, and this is one of our points, start reading your Bible. Yeah. Like look at, at scripture and say, what does God ask of me? You know, and and start making that your standard, not the people around you. And then start finding other people who do that. And And it's okay. I was the girl who looked at everyone around me and said, we got to do better, you know? Yeah. Not to perform, but like, girls, what are we doing? When, when I would find something in scripture that said very clearly, you know, for instance, Ephesians 4.29, it talks about speaking to build other people up, you know, only yeah. what is beneficial. And so if I would be in a crowd where everyone's like just dishing some other girl or talking down or whatever, I'd be like, what are we doing? You all claim to love Jesus. Like, let's, let's go girls. Like we can be, we can honor God in this. And you don't know what's going on with that girl's story. Like, let's get to know her. That's so good. I think it's so easy that we knock ourselves down to what we think is the standard of Christianity when God, God is like asking us to go so much higher. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, I read my Bible once this week. Great. And we think that is check, check, check. Good, good, good. Because it's more than someone else did. Exactly. But yeah, I love what you're saying. It's kind of that idea of stop trying to be better than the mediocre Christian on your right or on your left, but be the best Christian you can be because that's what God is calling you to. And that goes back to what we talked about in our first episode is y'all find a church, yeah. find a community because you trying to figure this out on your own is really, really hard. Yeah, that's true. And you'll learn this if you haven't already. Not everyone who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Yeah. This is not about performance. This is not about being better than other people. This is literally about having a realization of what your life is all about, what you are here to do. That's good. And it's a lot of fun when you start following Jesus. And it doesn't mean it comes without trials, that your life is going to be magically better. We're not here to sell you a prosperity gospel that things are just going to go great if you do X, Y, and Z. No. And we're not here to tell you to just be better. We're here to tell you, like, there is joy and life and freedom in following God. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Mm. I have come, Jesus, that you may have life and have it to the full. So a lot of people are missing out on full life, abundant life, missing out on security and fun and joy because they're stuck, kind of just conforming to what's around them. Yeah, and I think we're eventually going to do an episode of even how to read your Bible, because that is hard. But y'all, there are so many things out there to get plugged into. There are small groups, there are Devo plans of just opening up your Bible. Like, I promised you, it is when I started reading my Bible every day that things started to change. It changes things. It changes your life. And I know you hear that all the time, but me and Laura are examples. Like, that is the only thing, the only way I find peace in this crazy world. Yeah. Speaking of peace, we kind of talking about emotions. And our final point, y'all, is after you graduate college or honestly, wherever you're at in life, yeah, learn how to manage your emotions. 
truly you can spare yourself a lot of pain (laughs) a lot of pain a lot of bad decisions by just taking a second to process your emotions again with the frontal lobe thing (laughs) go listen to our first episode if that didn't make sense anxiety fear anger we can, we really should do a whole series on emotions because yeah. I remember being like, what do I do with all this? Especially like feelings towards guys or desires or dreams or all that stuff. It's like, what do I do with this? And it feels like I'm not getting helped from yeah. the church. Yeah. You know, or my community doesn't know what to tell me. Totally. I think one way I found a lot of freedom from that was journaling. Journaling is amazing. It's y'all. amazing. It is so freeing. And I just ask myself questions. It's like, okay, I feel an emotion. So for example, Let's say I'm really pissed off. It's so easy to call a friend and just rant and be like, oh my totally. gosh, I'm so pissed. I can't believe this. This guy dumped me. This guy did this. My roommate did that. Oh my gosh, my mom. Great. You don't really feel a lot better after you do that. But now I've kind of learned this discipline of like, okay, I'm going to take a step back. Why am I angry? Let's say my roommate left the dishes in the sink. Why am I angry? It's actually not as much about the roommates leaving the dishes in the sink, but it's more about that it inconvenienced my schedule and that I was being rushed or whatever, or this guy dumped me. And I'm like, why am I angry? Because it made me feel abandoned. It made me feel rejected. And then I get a process through, okay, let's go with the guy example. I'm rejected by him. But then I once again get to take a step back and through this journaling process, I get to go, but I'm not rejected by God. Therefore, even when I'm rejected by this world or somebody frustrates me, I get to now take a new perspective, a new approach, and it lands you in a place of peace rather than just more anger because you ranted to your friend for three hours. I wonder if people know that you can be honest with God. Yeah. You can just, we come to God, I think, with these lofty prayers, and the scripture literally says not to do that, but we come with this like, oh, precious God. Lord. In heaven above, you know, I thank thee for whatever. Okay, God, he's your father. You know what I mean? Would you look at your dad and be like, oh, father that I care for. Yes. Could I please have five dollars to get I a have Starbucks? have one request. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't want to give it to me, that's okay. I understand. Yeah. You know, you just don't have to. Psalms, you can be honest. Psalm 62 says, pour out your soul before the Lord. Dude. whoa like god i'm angry right now he hurt me i'm so upset i can't believe this would happen what's going on inside of me will you please help me i don't know what else to ask but help me Mm. you can and, and having a prayer journal something about writing things out even if you're not a writer even if you're not a journaler i've learned that the most emotionally mature people this is a hot take this is not data i've learned that the most emotionally mature people make a habit of journaling Dang, that's so good. Because what else happens is that you get all the heat out in the moment and then you can respond better yeah, with people and interrelationally. So instead of texting that guy being like, you're a piece of crap and all, how could you do this to me? This is what you said. You're taking a step back and saying all that, you know, and processing, processing it. And then just settling down for a second, letting the emotions pass for a little bit and then saying, what would wisdom have me do? That's so good. I mean, literally, Laura, you and I were on the phone yesterday and I feel like I just was like ranting and going off. I was so anxious, so stressed. But it wasn't until I sat down, journaled it out, 
prayed over the emotions I was feeling, praying over what God's word said about what I was feeling that I was like, okay, now I have peace. It was not talking to you that made me feel less anxious or overwhelmed. It was sitting down and going, God, what would you have for me in this moment? What are you trying to teach me in this frustration? And there's no cure. Like, didn't mean that I woke up feeling a million bucks today, but it definitely helped. Yeah. I mean, none taken that you didn't feel better talking to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was like, your advice sucks. You're the worst. <laughs> no, but what I love that you did in the moment was that you were like, I'm going to go spend time with the Lord. And a lot of times we've said this before, but a lot of times we will run to friends and make a habit of finding people who can kind of gas us up yes instead of going to god first and kind of processing some of our emotions now that doesn't it's not like a blanket statement saying that every single time there's no reason to call your friends to help them talk you out of a spiral or whatever listen to our stop the spiral episode yes but it is just like learn to deal with your emotions and learn to recognize your emotions Also learn to recognize that what you feel right now might not be what you feel tomorrow. Yeah, and don't make an emotional decision because you're then going to have to backtrack and go, I didn't actually mean that. And it's the reminder that I've said in many episodes, but to finish this point off, throne before phone, ladies. That's good. And I think, honestly, just that is all the points that we have. We could have done a million more points on a ton of different ideas or topics I had, you know, get plugged into a gym and all these different things. But I think here's what I want to remind you of as you finish up this episode is that early 20s, y'all, it's hard. Like it is hard. You are in a new transition. This is one of the biggest life transitions you'll ever have because you've been in school since you were five Mm -hmm. and now you're graduating. You're having to figure out what you want, who you are, what you want to do, a big girl job, all these different things. But I want to remind you that all of it, the hard, the good, the bad, the ugly is under God's perfect control. Yeah. And this sweet reminder that I've been reminding myself is you're not alone. Yeah. You don't have to figure this out. God is not like, okay, I'm going to drop you in this new city. Now go run and figure it out. He's going, hey, I'm leading you. I'm holding your hand. I am preparing you for what's next. This isn't the end. It's the beginning. I am leading you to a place of abundance. Do you trust me? It literally says that he wraps us under his wings. He takes us in and he holds us tight. He will never let us go. And I love, it just talks about about all in the Psalms that he is our security. He is our secure place. And so in the mix of the hard, the bad, the ugly, God's like, girl, I've got you. And some some of y'all listening need to just pray for that desire because what seems better right now is just finding the guy finding you know the success proving something to your high school friends or your totally. college friends or whoever it is what feels good is just having fun and living it up and try- pretending like you're still in college and there's a path that leads to destruction and there's a path that leads to life like find it in jesus life with god is not boring it is so much so much stinking better stinking fun and y'all you've got nothing to prove after you graduate you don't need to prove that you graduated at the top of your class. You don't need to prove you came from the best sorority. You get to know, like, man, my God's in control. I don't need to prove to you that I'm in the mailroom. And that's, that's okay. I don't need to yeah. prove. 
we didn't even really talk about job hunting, but I remember this feels like a little bit of a left turn. I remember job hunting and like making a chart for the first time. We had fun with it. I, I had a, a friend that we would literally just sit down and kind of write out all the job possibilities and do the steps of what yes. we've taken. And there is a sweetness of we're making this fun. We're not Gosh. stressing out over every single thing. I, I get it. it. Things are stressful and they're hard, but like take a deep breath and remember that God's got you yes and God, make a dream board make a vision board write out all the things that you like to do when you're job hunting and the last this is a random side piece of advice but someone always said they, they asked me they go nicoletta what could you talk about for hours and i was like fitness body image and they're like maybe find a job that's something that involves something like that nice and i was like dang that's great advice asking yourself what can you talk about forever if it's finances send it i don't know but tap into that a little bit. Random, not godly, biblical advice, but I liked it. It's like if you could, if you have a if you have a passion point, where you can work towards that. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't always have to be a job. A lot of times we can struggle with, hey, how do I provide for myself? And I want to do what I'm passionate about. And then again, our last episode, we talked about entitlement. We get to this place of we think that we're owed something or that God wants us to do this and there's nothing else. And he might be trying to humble you for a season or God might also say, hey, be responsible. Learn how to work hard. Learn how to just, Paul was a tent maker. And so like Jesus was a carpenter. There were all these things in the Bible where people had, you see the, the missionary, the preacher, and they had gigs that were helping them survive. Yeah, and the people that you look at and want to be like, y'all, they didn't start in that place. It took them years to get where they're going. And so just remind yourself as you are diving into the next season of life, God's got you. He's going to lead you to where he wants you to be. And he loves you. Yeah. I know that may sound Christianese, but man, when you actually get a rest in the fact that God adores you and loves you and has his best in store for you today, not tomorrow when you get your dream job, right here, right now, in the hard and the bad and the ugly. He's crazy about you. Yeah, that's good. We love y'all. If there are more specific questions we can answer, let us know. But for the most part, take these with a grain of salt, pair them up against scripture, always look to scripture over us. We love you. We're cheering for you and we're praying for you literally right now as we close this episode. Yeah, we are. For your 20s. Heck yeah, y'all have a great day. Don't want-